We are here at the fourth Sunday of Advent, which is um, supposed to have been taking us through a journey, a time where we have been able to reflect on what it means to be waiting. Because often we will wait. Last week, we talked about how maybe we're not great at waiting. We were trying to figure out ways that we could be better at being patient and waiting. Sometimes we're not great at waiting. And sometimes when we're waiting, we feel like maybe someone's forgotten us. I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you were waiting and then like in hide and go seek when you were a kid. And then all of a sudden, everyone went inside and it got dark and you were like, hey, I think that someone forgot me, right? When, when we are waiting and we're waiting with expectation, it's sort of a vulnerable spot to be because we're expecting that someone is going to end our waiting at some point in time. And if they don't do that, then we feel really heartbroken. And so that's sort of where the, um, the Israelites are and the nation of Israel is in this particular moment. They have been exiled. They are waiting. They are hearing some rumblings about what God is asking them to do, about what God is beckoning them toward. And yet they also fear that they are going to be left on their waiting and not found, and that all of that expectation is going to end up leaving them foolish. So we have been going through Isaiah 40. We are finishing up Isaiah 40 today. We will find ourselves in the New Testament on Friday at Christmas Eve. Um, So I invite you, just for this last time, to listen alongside with me for the words of the prophet Isaiah to Israel, but also to us, and to see how Isaiah's words continue to ring in our hearts today. This is Isaiah 40, 27 through 31. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted, but Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Friends, I invite you to join me as we pray in asking that God's words will settle in our hearts and carry on with us throughout this week. Let's pray together. God, it is your words and your truth that we are here to find. Not human words, not little comforting things that don't stick with us. We want what's going to last. And so we pray that it will be your word that we experience today. A word that settles in our hearts and grows within us so that we don't feel like we are being abandoned or forgotten, so that we can recall in the times we need it most that you are the one who sustains us when we are weak. You are the one who knows us by name. You are the one who, carry, who will carry us forward when we feel like we can't go anymore. So we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
All I wanted to do was go home. I was standing in the hot sun on concrete with an infant strapped to me in a baby carrier while I was trying to keep my eye on my toddler who was showing signs that we were nearing that time of day where all that was going to suffice was a nap. But I couldn't go home just yet. We were at the zoo, and my in-laws, John and Elizabeth, were visiting from England. The kids and I, we were regulars at the zoo. We would go at least once a week, sometimes twice. But this was John and Elizabeth's first time. And so, as we were nearing the end of our typical loop, having already seen all of the good animals, like the giraffes and the lions and the gorillas, all that was left were a few condors where the aviary always smelled the worst and one very old bald eagle who was no longer able to fly. As a rescue, she spent her time convalescing at the zoo by hopping along the dirt of her aviary, always looking disheveled and a little bit angry. Now, John was making a valiant effort with my toddler, cheerfully keeping up with her as her exhaustion had turned her walking into this haphazard stumble jog where she was zigging back and forth across the sidewalk. But Elizabeth and I were taking a straighter path, trying to keep us moving toward the exit, when suddenly Elizabeth stopped. She took a couple of steps backward so that she could get a really good look at that eagle. Look at this, John, look at this, she said. And she stopped him as he was zigzagging by with my daughter because they were going pretty quick at that point in time. And so he said, what is it, Elizabeth? Looking dizzy. And she said, look at this eagle. What is it that that scripture says? She stopped and thought. She said, ah, yes, that they will rise up on wings like eagles. And John goes, yes, I think that's right. And then in near unison, they stood there in silence, just staring at this decrepit eagle with an expression of peace and majesty on their faces that felt otherworldly to me, given my own exhaustion and the oppressive heat and the smell of the condors and this grumpy, confused eagle. After about 10 seconds or so, John caught sight of my daughter, who at this point had just sat down on the walkway where she had run out of steam. And so we all decided to scoop her up and start moving toward that exit again. And my kids are a decade older now, but as you can tell, I can still recall that moment. I can still feel it. I can still smell it. When my husband returned home later that day, when we came back from the zoo, I told him about John and Elizabeth's response to this eagle about how weirdly detached it was from everything that I was feeling in the moment, and more strikingly, how detached it seemed to be from the eagle itself, who was everything except a picture of rejuvenation, but about how, despite myself, I found myself caught up in their moment of peace and majesty all while staring at this disabled, unhappy-looking bird that I had never really stopped to look at before. 
Our scripture passage for today is this really extraordinary passage of encouragement and hope. It's regularly used in Christian culture. It's printed in home decor and put on t-shirts. It's shared on social media and uplifting kind of memes. It's an assurance for the people of Israel and for us that even when the most vibrant of us slows down under the burden of life, God will be the one who renews our strength. When we fear that we cannot carry on with one more step, it says and promises that we too shall mount up with wings like eagles, that we shall soar and not collapse because God is the one who provides strength and God's strength is eternal. The image of this eagle soaring effortlessly on what we can imagine to be that thin, crisp air of a snow-capped mountain range. It is a majestic, inspiring image. But commentator Charles Aaron points out that this translation that we are using for the Bible, it doesn't really explain this image of the eagle to the fullest extent. Because this verse is not simply trying to describe an eagle with its wings soaring in about to mount up in the air. Rather, it is describing a molting eagle who is exchanging old wings for new ones as the feathers are being lost and new ones are being grown which is not really an image of effortless grace. Rather, it's an image of transformation and regrowth. You see, it's not really an image of a sleek, unruffled eagle against the blue sky, but of an eagle that is losing feathers with every flap of its wings. It's an image of an eagle rebuilding her plane as she's flying it. It turns out that that tired, disheveled eagle that was hopping around on the dirt at the zoo might have more to offer us in illustrating this scriptural truth that Isaiah is trying to share with us than that imaginary vision that we are trained to keep in our hearts. And I think that this is a really important image for us to hold on to because as one commentator notes, Isaiah isn't just trying to make the Israelite people feel better about themselves. Isaiah is not trying to put a little spiritual band-aid on the little scrape on their knees. Isaiah is not trying to promise them that everything is going to be all right and work out in the end. Rather, Isaiah is trying to enable the Israelites to poke around in the ashes of their long dormant faith to find if there is still a small spark left. I want you to remember that at this point in Isaiah, the Israelites have been in exile in Babylon. Their home in Jerusalem has been long destroyed. They can't return to the past. But they do know that God is asking them to one day think about returning to Jerusalem and all of its ruin, not to go back and recreate the past, 
but to return to Jerusalem in order to go forward into the future. It's a really daunting task to make this journey through the desert, to take up residence in a place that is no longer safe and certainly no longer comforting, to take up, make a home out of a place that holds every memory of God's fulfilled promises to them, but is now degrading into rubble. The few people who remember how things used to be, where everything used to go, they are now too old to lift the tools that are needed to rebuild. And not enough of the young are going to choose to uh, go along to help rebuild this structure that had never really offered them lasting shelter to begin with. It's all a daunting task, what's being put in front of the people of Israel. And so with all of this in front of them, Isaiah knows the Israelites don't need a band-aid and a blanket to help them feel better. They need to find the spark that's going to ignite the fire that will keep them alive because it turns out that God is not finished with Israel yet. And God isn't finished with you and me yet either. I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you, is there some place in your life where you know that you must go on, but you're not really sure that you can? Is there a place where if you were to let it go, or if you were to give it up, it would mean cutting off a piece of yourself, or it would mean losing something within you that you really don't want to lose. Maybe it's a strained relationship with a sibling, or with a parent, or with a child. Or maybe it's this pandemic that just won't quit. You just don't care anymore. You're just going to do what you're going to do. Maybe it's your faith. Maybe you haven't felt close to God for a really long time now. And you're just not sure if you have it within you to rekindle that closeness that you once felt in that particular season or in that particular moment of your life that even now still means so much to you. Friends, whatever that place is for you, God is standing right there next to you. But God is probably not waiting with a band-aid and a blanket. God is probably waiting to hand you a stick so that together you can poke the ashes and together you can find that spark that you need to survive and thrive. If we feel like there is a place in our lives where we just cannot go on, then we might very well be right. We probably can't go on by our own strength and we are not expected to. All of our strength will run out but God's strength does not. What it does mean though, is that relying on God's strength means that it's not always going to look pretty and it's not always going to feel elegant to keep moving forward in courage and in hope. It requires us to, when we rely on God's strength, 
It requires us not only to stretch out our wings and to hop into that clear air, but it requires us to shed the old feathers and to grow new wings. In the several years that followed my in-laws' first visit with us to the zoo, my kids and I, we continued our pattern of going to the zoo about once a week, sometimes twice. And we continued our same old loop that allowed us to bypass the stinky condors without missing any of the good animals. But every now and then, we would stop and have a look at that eagle. And I had thought that she had always spent her time on the dirt and on the ground. But I came to realize that sometimes she would use her beak and her talons to hop and swing her way up to the very top of the aviary. And once she was there, she would stretch out her wings and she would soar, spiraling down all the way to the bottom, losing feathers all along the way. Friends, If you feel like God has given up on you, if you fear that there is some place in your life where you can't go on, then I want to just say that God is never, ever, ever going to give up on you and on me. It might not be pretty. It might not be elegant. We might fear that All of these feathers that we are losing are feathers that we need. So let me just say that if we're losing them, we don't need them. Growing new wings is never easy. But it doesn't mean that we weren't created to soar. Amen.